What's wrong with him? Oh, it's nothing. It's nothing at all. Turn him off. I can't. Jane, let's step outside. This is In The Cut, and I'm Jesse. Thanks for joining me for episode two of our podcast. The format here is not so much to review a movie as to take the whole thing apart to kind of see what works and what doesn't. So regardless of your feelings on spoilers, you will definitely have more fun if you've recently watched or rewatched the movie. I try and take care of that for you, though, so if you visit us at inthecut.org, you should be able to see all the ways you can watch today's movie now. Today's movie, of course, is RoboCop 2, and I've got Aaron here to get under the hood with me. So let's get right down to it. All right. Thanks for coming back and talking to me about RoboCop 2, the sequel to RoboCop. Mm-hmm. Not as good. Um, not as good, you don't think? <laughs> no, I didn't think it was quite as good as the movie RoboCop. Well, before we start, because uh, my goal is for this project to become like uh, financially solvent in a way that's like self-sufficient, uh-huh. I-, I bought us some more scratch-off lottery tickets. Ooh, Let's yeah. go with Bandit Cash for you, okay? Okay. And because this one's new to you, let me describe it to you. Okay. There's a picture of a raccoon, <laughs> but he's hoisting over his head a uh, a bag that it, it appears as if he may have just stolen from somebody's house this gigantic bag worth of stuff because there's some, you know, houses in the background and it's obviously mm-hmm. nighttime. Out of the bag are, are bursting a fish skeleton and what looks like a human leg bone. So I don't know. <laughs> At first, it seems like maybe he's robbing houses, but I think that it's a raccoon that may be like hiding evidence from his animal murder spree. Uh, I guess sometimes when you do home invasions, you have to murder a fish and a human <laughs> although it sort of ties it into the other two because the other two are one is a f- big big catch scratcher is a big picture of a fish and jungle jim has a big picture of a man mm, on it what? so i wonder if bandit cash bandit has killed jungle jim and the big catch fish well it sounds like we know who's winning this thing so i'm gonna go with mr weasel in a mask okay here i'm gonna start scratching Okay, the, f- the first item is cheese. You've stolen cheese. Mm-hmm. Helmet is the third thing in the, <laughs> in the bag. And there's a picture of what I guess is a helmet, which I first thought was a human skull, but it wasn't. Okay, eighth one is energy, and you have another one of those. So your, your only real chance of winning now is if the ninth one is also energy. All right. It's not. It's sunglasses. Oh, man. Well, sunglasses are all right. Sunglasses are all right. Well, I have two more scratch-offs, so maybe maybe I'll pick one, and then you can you can have the remaining one. Well, maybe we, we can split the third. We'll split the third it's one. It's real big winnings. Okay. Well, I, I'm going to do one now, and then maybe we'll do the last one at the very end. Okay. Looking good in the $2 realm here. And $2. Well, I won $2. My God. Yeah. These are a good investment. I don't know what they're talking about when they say these are not a good investment strategy. I've made I've already made back two thirds of what I spent on them. Sweet. With that out of the way, I um I, I, I wanna make a habit of saying thanks for coming and, and recording with me again. It's this is really, really fun to do and this is a really uh fun project to be to be starting and, and getting underway and working out the kinks on and 
uh, hopefully. Working out the kinks is my favorite part. I like when all the stuff doesn't work. There's a lot of that, so I hope that's a lot of people's favorite part. And uh, so I really appreciate you being here, and I really uh, can't wait to talk to you about RoboCop 2. RoboCop 2 is both... Is both the sequel to RoboCop uh-huh. and a, a story of a character named RoboCop. Giant murder robot. <laughs> In, within the universe of the movie, this character is named RoboCop 2, which I thought was pretty unusual. I mean, in fact, like there didn't even have to have been a first RoboCop movie for this one to be justifiably called RoboCop 2, since it's about a robot called RoboCop 2. All right, well, I have a question for you here about the first RoboCop movie. Yeah. Well, several questions, actually. Uh, the first of which was, in the first RoboCop movie, did everyone just refer to RoboCop by the name RoboCop? And sometimes by first name Robo? Because <laughs> that seemed to be how they did it in the second movie. They called him Robo a lot in the second movie. I don't remember them doing that. Well, when they were, you know, speaking formally, they called him RoboCop, but his buddies just called him Robo. I kind of remember in the first movie, they just called him Murphy. The first movie, the 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 struggle between his identity as a robot and his identity as a human being who had a wife once is c- partly characterized by how he refers to himself. And and I remember the last line in the movie is uh, is the the OCP you know CEO saying, "Nice shooting, son. What's your name?" And he says, "Murphy." <laughs> Not Robocop. And that's like. And then kapow, like that's the big like emotional payoff at the end. But I think they do call, they introduce him as RoboCop, I think, early in the RoboCop movie when they're like unveiling him. Because that was like their clever project name. Okay, yeah, I believe that. Um, I don't remember specifically. All right, uh, question number two is uh, in the first movie, whenever RoboCop walked around, did he just look like a total dick? <laughs> this one, that really seemed to be a theme. <laughs> How do you mean looked like a dick? Like, just the way he would hold his arms like a dick and just look like he was really uncomfortable and chafing in that robot suit. (laughs) And also, like, he had just, like, you could definitely see the director in this one just, like, whenever he moved, being like, no, no, walk more like a robot. (laughs) Hold your arms more like a dick. (laughs) Yes. Um, it's funny because that's one of the things that I immediately noticed and that I thought, and I, now I feel embarrassed saying this, but as was an improvement over the first movie. <laughs> in this one, it seemed like there was a much greater effort made to make him seem like he was moving as if driven by like hydraulics and, and mechanical. It was a lot of effort. I mean, the effort was like someone who, you know, the director had like been to Vegas and seen one of those robot men on the on the street. Yeah, I guess I don't know that this was any more convincing in terms of making it look like a real robot walking around. But it really was convincing in making him look like a dick. And he, when he's gunning guys down, he he contorts his body into weird like poses. <laughs> where he's like waving with one hand, but shooting with the other hand. And his head is pointed in a different direction. Walking around like an uncomfortable dick. Peter Weller famously was like a- annoyed by the suit in the second one, especially, and and you can they, you can see it. It, is. it was all they could do to get him to put the suit. Like he almost, I think, didn't finish making the movie because he hated it so much. He just looked so uncomfortable. So the level of uh, uh, 
clever social satire. Uh, you, th- you think that <laughs> holds up to the first one? Well, here's where I really want to engage you because I, I, I almost think it does, but I think that you have a much better perspective on the the commentary going on in the first one. Well, I did notice that in the second one, they uh, cleverly uh, named the uh, several of the bad corporate men Sphincter and Shyster. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> the bad lawyer was uh, was Shyster, and uh, the uh, I think it was a bad congressman was Congressman Sphincter. <laughs> So the, you're saying that the level of social satire wasn't as like nuanced as the first RoboCop movie is maybe what you're getting that, at? Uh, quite the nuance. Um, it did, I think, have that same that same you know message about privatization and. Uh... I didn't think it was bad. In fact, I thought it was funnier than the first movie. Like, I, funnier than like the car ads and the other like, uh, you know, overt kind of like social commentary built into that to the little television bits actually thought it made me laugh out loud several times uh even though it was like cartoonishly exaggerated but i think it kind of was the the second ad they did oh there was one for ocp itself that i really loved where the guy is is like haggard and he's like distressed and he's talking directly into the camera how he chose the wrong telecommunications system and lost the account and then he puts a gun to his head and kills himself <laughs> and the camera without a cut like slowly zooms in on the picture of his daughter and the frame behind him and then it just does shows the ocp logo and says i, f- I forget what the tagline was but the only choice i think was what it was uh, that, that wasn't the one i was thinking of i think that's a real commercial now <laughs> <laughs> You know the Paul, uh, the director of the first movie. I can't remember, pronounce his last name. Paul Verhoeven. Uh, like it's one of his signatures to uh, have these like fake commercials in in his his movies. After he, ma- I know he after he made RoboCop one, he directed Total Recall, which had you know several kind of uh, incidental, and then Starship Troopers, right? Um, so it's kind of interesting that this director carried on. Say again. I don't know if Showgirls had any. Did he direct Showgirls also? <laughs> he did, yes. Oh my god. I don't want to completely derail the conversation, but that I remember like tricking my mom into renting that movie for me mm-hmm. and then just turning it off after 20 minutes. Because you thought it might have breasts in it? Well, it did have breasts in it. Okay. I wasn't sure. And do you, have you not seen Showgirls? Nope. So RoboCop two, um, RoboCop what? Uh, two, two. <laughs> the okay. one we're working on today right. <laughs> uh, was uh, written by Frank Miller, but didn't necessarily feel super Frank Millery, except for like that opening shot where like prostitutes kicked a guy and then were really happy. <laughs> <laughs> it was right. That was one of the more Frank Millery uh, sequences. Was the opening like. Um, everything was, is super bad yeah it was or, like a, a um, Rube Goldberg machine of crime <laughs> where like what this guy pushes over an old lady and steals her wallet but then a prostitute kicks him in the dick and steals his drugs and then she he gets pushed over a bag lady and then took all her jewelry that was an interesting choice 
I, I glanced at um, a little bit of the st- story of the making of this movie, and, and the story that I was led to believe led to this movie script is Frank Miller turned in a treatment for RoboCop 2, and they just said it was unfilmable, was the word they used. <laughs> Later, uh, someone else took his original treatment and made a comic book, RoboCop comic book, out of the original Frank Miller treatment for RoboCop 2, and apparently it was just, uh, like... Heinous, like awful, like RoboCop three, awful piece of fiction, <laughs> like RoboCop, maybe like RoboCop three, which I believe is one he did get to write on his own. Did you know that Frank Miller's in RoboCop two? No, who is he? Who is he? So Kane, your your main drug dealer, uh, and murder robot. There's a sequence where he talks with his chemist and like shoots some of the new batch of the new drug the guy's <laughs> developing into his neck and then he gives him some feedback and then the chemist later like sacrifices himself to blow up the drug Too lab much right that chemist frank the chemist was uh frank miller yeah i was i just i just think of him as you know alan moore's arch nemesis so he should have <laughs> some sort of equivalent beard <laughs> <laughs> kind of like kane's beard maybe <laughs> also um i love that guy who played kane i loved a lot of the casting in this movie but kane oh. what i was gonna ask what do you what do you thought about uh kane i remember you said you remembered the villains in this movie being these like proto hippie now that that i think was uh robocop 3 where uh, he had to take care of anarchists because in this one, uh, you know, he's he's meant to be, I think, be a, almost like Charles Manson-y cult leader type figure where the drug is his vision of the future. Yeah, I mean, definitely everything when we were talking about what we remembered about RoboCop 2 was uh, RoboCop 3 uh, from last week. Except for the brain in the jar with the eyeballs staring at the people arguing. I almost oh, yeah. got I mean, that scene perfectly. Yeah, uh, your memories of the movie were the correct <laughs> movie, I believe. <laughs> But, yeah, I don't know that I've seen that guy in a lot of... I mean, he must have been uh, acting since, but I saw him in a few things recently, and he's just such a fun, scary guy. Yeah, I thought he carried that role really well. He did that um, episode of Louie that was just fantastic. Who was he in the Louie? Um, the Crucifixion episode. He was the the guy delivering yeah, the kind of sermon? Speech. Oh, my God. That was unbelievable. <laughs> I can't believe you made that connection between that. I I never would have recognized him there. And then the kid I thought was great. Did you think the kid was great? Not at all. (laughs) I thought the scene right after I thought it was weird that that was a character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I mean, as an actor, I don't know. I mean, he wasn't bad or anything. I thought um, him the scene with after right after Kane gets taken down the scene with him and Kane's kind of right hand woman <laughs> in the car where he's just like basically assuming command of the empire. I thought that he was awesome. I thought he was an awesome actor for the age, especially. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say he he wasn't good at acting, but um, that whole character was just. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what was going on. The character on there. was roundly despised by critics at the time this movie came out, I remember. I mean it felt like we want to get that audience. Let's let's have a do we give Robocop a wacky teenage sidekick? I just don't know how we're <laughs> gonna write that in. I guess the drug lord could have a wacky teenage sidekick. <laughs> kind of like a scrappy do type character. Mm-hmm. 
I think you're probably right. I, I, I think the kid, act, the actor himself did a good job. It was really, really, I mean, how necessary was it for it to be RoboCop's son? I don't know. <laughs> kind of kind of a bit of coincidence there. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. Um... Well, that's what happens when you don't have a strong family unit. <laughs> I guess it sort of is that. I, although, you know, the other thing about it being a son, and, and again, that's I, that's a really, really stupid contrivance <laughs> to, to put into this movie that worked against it for the most part. But the good part of it is that you get to have RoboCop lose his son, like the kid dies, but it makes RoboCop's motivation in the, in the last battle completely selfish, and I really liked that. <laughs> that. That he's not fighting the Kane robot because he's against the you know uh cutthroat like corporatism that it represents or the the politics of the matter or even the drug war at all it, he was just wanted to kill it because it's basically responsible for killing his son and he's mad <laughs> and i like that i mean it's undermined at the very very end with the idiotic last moments of the movie <laughs> But I love that his, he going into that scene because for an action movie, you basically bring all your guns to bear for the end sequence and you have your hero fighting not only because he's lost so many loves or because he's trying to save so many loves, but always fighting because he believes in the larger kind of political or like, uh, you know, the other forces in play. He's fighting on the right side of those as well, deliberately. And in this one, I liked that RoboCop didn't have to give a shit about any of that. Yeah, and that, there's also the interesting thing that, um, I don't know if you noticed that, I mean, when he uh, had to go electrocute himself because he was tired of being so nice, um, he it wiped out all of his directives, not just the new ones. So that's right. For the second half of the movie, he didn't have his, you know, protect the innocent, whatever. Uh, the poster for RoboCop 2 has a picture of RoboCop 2 stepping through a, a broken wall, cement wall. And the tagline is, he's back to protect the innocent. <laughs> I don't remember him protecting any innocent anybody in the entire movie. Um, nope. <laughs> Oh no! Wait, there's one scene where he protects somebody innocent. I just remembered this. The um, at the beginning when he first comes in to bust up the drug oh, lab, yeah, and, uh, and the drug dealers are taking babies hostage. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Which and he is... bank shots the the guy right <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> it's like he's got a shot at his head. And he's like, yeah, check this out, baby. <laughs> bank shot. Boom, I'm RoboCop. <laughs> Suck my dick, I'm RoboCop. <laughs> but uh -oh. just to stay on that scene for one second, it's... <laughs> this RoboCop got... This is part of what, in my my take on the movie this time around, finding it actually really enjoyable in some ways, is that RoboCop's badass lines are really, really great, and they're really fun, <laughs> and they make me laugh. And there's this... In that scene, the guy... I mean, it's so, so cartoonishly over the top, even for, like, an action movie, that this drugged-out guy is holding, like, this desert eagle to a baby's head, like a newborn baby's head. While his mother is pleading. <laughs> right, with a screaming mother. And the guy is shrieking, like, I'll blow its fucking head off. 
And yeah. RoboCop's response, do you remember? Uh-uh. He says, we can't have that. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, there was not a lot of moral ambiguity around the drug trade. <laughs> Uh, which is actually something I was thinking about a lot. Uh, you know, I don't think it was just, you know, in, in this, I think it was like every movie in the, uh, you know, late eighties, early nineties, you know, which was, you know, kind of after the, you know, the crack epidemic had really reached its full craziness and the, the war on drugs was actually becoming to get pretty paramilitary. And, uh, you know, there's actually a lot of, people you know cops going and killing lots of uh drug dealers in uh, detroit right and uh yeah it's, and it's interesting just to look at you know i'd like to see some more action movies with the uh big drug dealer baddies and uh just how they're always yeah always portrayed with this zero moral ambiguity or you know i mean and also never portrayed as, you know, the people who are, you know, the actual uh, drug dealers in Detroit. You know, I mean, if you took any of those scenes and actually just replaced them with, you know, raiding the projects and killing a bunch of poor black people, <laughs> it's going to be a uh, going to have a different feel to it. Right. Uh, the, the, you know, media um, image of, of what the drug trade and drug dealers was, uh, I think really must've influenced in a huge way, the way that, you know, the actual headlines read. And you can always imagine that super evil, super rich, greedy man is the guy who's profiting from, from selling drugs. It's, it's okay to go kill those guys. They shoot babies. Right. Right, and there's no overlap between, like, the victims of drug addiction and the purveyors of drug addiction. Right, there's always, you know, they want to get you hooked. Right. Yeah, there's, in, in the very opening sequence, there's there's some guys break into a gun shop, and then they murder <laughs> the gun store owner, and then the police show up <laughs> in the form of RoboCop. This. They blow up the police car and then, like, <laughs> unload all this ammo on, on a policeman. And then RoboCop kills them all. The drugs aren't mine. Grabs it right, and he says, "Where'd these drugs from?" The guy's like, "The drugs are not mine." You got you got me on like (laughs) attempted murder of a police officer, literal murder of this gun shop owner, but uh, definitely no. Don't try and fucking pin those drugs on me. A pretty easy crutch, obviously, for for action movies to make the bad guys drug dealers in, in movies and, like, video games and stuff, too, for sure. Well, I like, mean, now they're never drug dealers. They're always terrorists, I mean, for the right. last two years. And they have been terrorists even around this time, too, but they, I, I think much more in those late 80s, early 90s period where they drug dealers. And, like, Narc, that video game where you're <laughs> literally, like, using rocket launchers to blow... Oh, basically drug addicted hobos <laughs> into showers of limbs bloody limbs that game was Thomas. fantastic <laughs> and then you collected all their money and drugs <laughs> you you want me dead or alive one of us must die dead then 
RoboCop Two. <laughs> some other things that happened. In that I thought movie. it was. I thought the. I, I, so yeah, I, I did think that the the comedy parts were fun. I thought the action wasn't any fun at all. Like I thought that the yeah. the shootouts were really tedious. Like uh, just the same guy getting hit by the same squibs over and over again. And a little bit of that in RoboCop One also. But it, it did feel like it, they saved pretty much all of their filming time for that the last big robot fight. And, you know, a huge chunk of the budget was just that, the day tomorrow. Yeah, good robot. I, I feel like someone just designed that robot, and then they're like, well, we have the robot, now we need to make the movie. <laughs> what did you think of the of the earlier prototype robots? I think that was meant to be a major, like, laugh line and mirror a little bit the Ed 209 unveiling scene from the first movie. Yeah, um, they were cool. I thought that they they it, a lot of effort went into something that wasn't really that, like, entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, I like that they went horribly wrong. Obviously, by like, what? Why were they showing the CEO the videos of these horrible <laughs> things? Like, what? <laughs> if they were happening live in front of the CEO, like they were in the first movie, it would make sense, like because they didn't expect it to go horribly wrong. But instead, they bring him into a room and show him how like tragically they're misspending his money. A lot of um, everything in that movie didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um. Like, oh, so here's another thing, and and I, I think it's a little boring to pick apart every logical inconsistency <laughs> in a movie, and it's really easy for me to go down that, you know, wormhole. Oh, yeah, wormhole. but that's definitely the things I, I noted when I was watching it. It was, aha, that makes no sense. Would the big one that made no sense and maybe was explained in the movie better than I really realized while I was watching it because it's such a major plot point in the movie, I feel like it has to have been explained better than I realized. Wait, can I guess? Yeah. Was it why did they decide they should put psychopathic murderers in the robots? <laughs> no, they they uh. they washed over that. Remember she was like maybe maybe cops aren't Good, maybe bad. But at least they kind of it's like sowed the seed earlier, where she's like flipping through pictures of uh, you know hippie-looking murderers on her little file thing, trying <laughs> to pick the, the perfect other guy's murderer. Like, for wait, it. that doesn't make any sense. And she's like, yeah, it does. She's like, Trust I'm me. a psychologist, <laughs> and as a psychologist, I think evil people are good. <laughs> So, I'm gonna put an evil person in the robot. Yeah, it was a really. I, I, I for a moment I was start. I started to try and find other links to Scientology in this movie, but <laughs> the one I couldn't understand was RoboCop is disassembled violently. There's a lot. There a lot of hay is made about how expensive it would be to rebuild him, and how it would serve no real purpose when we have a better robot plan underway. But then they do reassemble him and put all the directives as decided upon by committee in him for no reason. Right. That uh, was a little heavy handed, that sequence. I'm feeling that that might have been a Frank Miller scene as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and in some ways maybe a response to, to criticisms of the first movie that uh, was too violent. Mm -hmm, yeah. Yeah, I felt they did that. There was a lot of lines in that movie where they're like, the first RoboCop was this, but now we have RoboCop 2. This is what we're going to do with RoboCop 2. Right. I mean, not directly, a lot of audience it. winking yeah. in the middle of the movie there. 
Um, and yet at the same time and 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 this is probably dumb but i really i thought (laughs) i kind of liked the good robocop to to, in some ways because remember when he's showing up and there's like a little league team stealing (laughs) he doesn't just shoot them all and he doesn't (laughs) he doesn't kill everybody those kids (laughs) and his partner's like why aren't you brutally murdering him and he's like Hi, maybe we should talk about this. And it's obviously meant to be completely ridiculous that that's the approach he takes. But in the context of him being an unkillable policeman, (laughs) I would rather he tried talking to them first. And that's not something he ever tried in the first movie. It seems like that scene would have been more effective if they used like a bunch of tough bikers or something instead of uh, little league kids or if there was ever a threat of him seems being like they killed. were going for two jokes at the same time yeah yeah that uh were not complimentary <laughs> I, I i don't know it was fun to watch in one way but in another way it's like what i don't know why he can't i mean obviously he doesn't have to go around and like sort out people's recycling or whatever but i don't mind the idea of him not blowing guys apart is the immediate response to every situation Anyway, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, are there other things in this movie? Um, well, the fucking music is one. <laughs> oh my god! The, um, the over the credits. God, I was so hoping that you stayed for the credits because oh, that yeah. fucking song is. Robocop. Here's, here's here's my notes. I wrote a couple of notes while I was watching this movie. Here here in capital letters didn't use any RoboCop 1 songs, mm-hmm. right? And the RoboCop 1 theme is incredibly memorable, I thought. Yeah, very good. And then in letters 200 times as big below that, <laughs> holy shit, the ending theme. <laughs> that was, uh, there must be a story. <laughs> like, I mean, you could see that maybe getting made, but that actually using it? Yeah, I, I mean, and, and the other thing is like, like, acoustically or like whatever in terms of how it sounds and the tone and everything works and then the chorus comes in (laughs) and you just think it's a joke like someone's playing a joke on you Yeah, that was amazing, amazing piece of score work <laughs> there to be one of the I mean, you, you, you have to be an incredibly highly trained like orchestral singer or choral singer to be tapped for, a you know, incredibly high budget Hollywood movie. And then they just hand you the little lyrics. Sheet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is the days of Ninja Turtle raps and <laughs> That's true. I don't know vanilla, vanilla Ice, otherwise highly respected <laughs> rap star, is singing songs about mutant turtles doing ninja moves. So, I guess anything goes. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe the recording industry was doing a lot of nuke around this time as well. <laughs> um, Do you know who you you remember who directed this movie, RoboCop Two? I didn't recognize him. Didn't recognize the name. So RoboCop 2 is the last movie he ever made, mm-hmm. and I, I I would love to know if it was because of the critical <laughs> response to it, which was, I don't think, very good. Like the director of the first movie, I'm going to completely butcher his name, uh, Irvin Kirshner. Uh, 
still don't know who he is. He's the director of uh, The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, well, that's a shame. I mean, it's great that he made The Empire Strikes Back. And I wonder if maybe they gave him this franchise because obviously he knows what he's doing with popular franchises that need sequels made. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it definitely didn't feel like a movie that, you know, one guy made. It felt like there was probably a lot of... uh, a lot of people making decisions on that movie. Well, give me give me a better idea of the problems that you had with it in particular. Um, it didn't have a lot of parts that were fun or good. Um, RoboCop just kind of walked around like a dick who was uncomfortable <laughs> in his dick suit. Yeah, I mean, I guess basically there weren't a, there weren't a lot of parts that were fun or good. I just really sums it up. The other thing. And there's a moment early in the movie where Robocop is interrogated by the lawyer of his estranged wife, I guess ex-wife, if he's been declared dead, I guess they're not married anymore. Wait, was it his lawyer or was it the corporate lawyer? There was the corporate lawyer was the one running the scene, but also the lawyer of the wife was present. Um, The corporate lawyer was the one really telling Robocop, like, you know, trying to drill into him that he's not a man and that he's a machine mm-hmm. and that he needs to come out and say that and for their, you know... Mr. Shyster. Right, Mr. Shyster, as he's referred, is in a position where he basically needs Robocop to, you know, Murphy to say that on the record. And then there's a little scene that that's obviously shoehorned in and doesn't really fit with the wife's motivations up to that point, but where she comes into the room after everybody else has left and has a moment with him. Do you remember the scene? Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, she, you know, she asks if it's really him because she needs to know on a personal level. And he says, they made this to honor him. And I think that if they hadn't just completely dropped that kind of plot thread like they drop nearly every plot thread as they're making this movie if that had become an overarching theme of the movie that not not to cast robocop is something that everybody believes is a robot but really truly is a human but rather is something that some people need to believe is a human but ultimately and fundamentally is a robot would have been a much much more interesting movie i see a really excellent amazingly set up germ of a better movie in that moment (laughs) because what hero in any modern movie has a dead human's face like stretched over (laughs) its robotic skull uh and uh and and if you had taken the perspective that so there are some as the villains you know the villainous corporation and lawyers and these bad guys the position they take in this movie if that was actually the honest, truest description of Robocop's nature, that he is using parts of a dead human being, but actually literally is a robot acting on his programming, and and humans are left to reckon with the difficulty of, uh, of reconciling that, that would have been... I mean, there, there's so much more... That's so so much more fertile ground to be exploring the nature of humanity and robotics and our interactions with them and life and death and duty and honor and all the other things that this movie attempted to to tackle. But it kind of just easy weighed out with him just having an, uh, you know, 
indomitable spirit spirit of humanity wins out well you think they'll get to that in the uh reboot probably not (laughs) do you think that uh does the movie support an alternate interpretation wherein robocop is literally doesn't have any humanity or a soul or is is, is acting out just purely on impulses he's been programmed to no yeah unfortunately no huh nope i mean kind of the movie from then on is you know He's a noble human brain trapped in a murder robot. <laughs> and he must murder. Right. And they and they do call back to that at the very end. I mean, at the, like I mentioned earlier the very end of RoboCop 1 where he says his name is Murphy to reassert his humanity. At the end of RoboCop 2, do you remember the last moment in the movie? Mm, no, remind me. He's just killed the bad RoboCop mm-hmm. named RoboCop 2 in the movie RoboCop 2. And and then we have this little kind of short cutaway sequence where the corporate guys, evil corporate guys decide who they're going to who's the patsy they're going to pin it on and it's the woman who came up with the RoboCop 2 drug robot idea. And it comes back to Lewis. Lewis says um I can't believe they're going to get away with it or or whatever and uh RoboCop <laughs> It cuts to this really incredibly out of place shot of RoboCop with a little Allen wrench screwing his head back. <laughs> it was and funny. he goes, "We're only human," um, and it's like, It was really strange that he didn't to just like he had the the ratchet. It's like that's gonna be some neat Robo ratchet. They'll open his head, and it's like, nope. He just went and got the ratchet set out of his trunk. That's how RoboCop does self maintenance. <laughs> what? Why do? What is he ratcheting in that moment? I think <laughs> he was gonna take his mask off. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe they didn't have the money to take his mask off for that final scene, and he was supposed to like do the sunglasses whip off thing before he <laughs> delivered his line. He's just. It's like. I don't know. It's like they just cut. It's like uh, the end of Chinatown. They cut to the guy, and he's like, he says, "That's Chinatown, Jack." But he's like cleaning his ears with a Q-tip. <laughs> I, I didn't get what, <laughs> why they set that scene up like that at all. Although it was obvious, so obviously deliberate in the way it was framed and shot and everything. I, I think there was a lot of very poor directing in that film. <laughs> <laughs> I think that film had flaws. I don't know. But you have to admit that. <laughs> the ending theme over the end credits really <laughs> tied everything together just emotionally. It really it really did sum up basically my feelings on that film. <laughs> Got Jungle Jim here. All right. This is a $1 scratch off starring our hero Jungle Jim. Mm-hmm. The first one is Gorilla. Gorilla's not bad. The second one it's is... a punching animal. Yeah, it's a good punching animal. He seems pretty docile in this illustration. Mm, let's not go with that one, then. Well, we, it's not really up to us what we go with. Well, I don't know. If we're going to get three of an animal, let's get three of a good animal. Well, just kind of, like, emotionally get behind which animal we yeah, want? Yeah. Well, the second somebody. one is a troll. The troll's not an animal, Jesse. <laughs> I'm just telling... You've misrepresented this game. <laughs> I'm reporting it as I see it. The troll, and it looks like one of those old troll dolls, you remember, with the funny hair? Mm-hmm. Fourth animal's the troll. I, I hope we don't get three trolls. The fifth animal's the gorilla. So we have one more animal left, and it can be a troll or it can be a gorilla. All right, I'm going for gorilla. 
Okay. You pick troll. Okay. <laughs> I'll pick troll. The uh, last animal is a sheep. Sheep. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not really buying it. Still prefer gorilla. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Should have gone with a... gorilla. You should have gotten behind me. Shouldn't have gone for troll. I should have. You know, I just couldn't help myself. Another week of the show not quite paying for itself, unfortunately. Although we mm. did have one winner earlier. That's right. That's right. Two dollars. We got two big dollars. Two dollars on fish. Aaron, I want to say thanks again for coming and talking to me about uh, a movie. You're welcome. And maybe next week we'll talk about a different movie. That'll be good. Showgirls. <laughs> it's always a pleasure talking to you. I think that's a wrap on episode two. Aaron and I were talking off mic, and we're both really into the next movie we do, being the 2011 film The Cabin in the Woods. If you haven't seen it, I hope you check it out. It's really worth a watch, and there's going to be a lot to talk about. As always, you can find all the ways to watch the next movie in our lineup by visiting our site at inthecut.org. I hope we get a chance to talk to you again soon. Thanks.